Amen. Thank you, R.C. I appreciate you sharing your gift with us. If I could sing like that, I would, but I can't. I invite you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. I'm teaching through the book of Romans this summer. And for those of you that say, well, so what? I'm only here one week. You can certainly listen to it online if you'd like through our website or through iTunes um, to kind of catch up with it where we are and finish up with uh, however far we get in the book of Romans. There's 16 chapters in Romans, and um, we don't have that many weeks left. So uh, I, I think when John Piper preached through Romans, he took about eight years. That scared a lot of my trustees. They thought, so we're going to be in Romans for like 20 years because, you know, we only meet like 20 times a season. So uh, I won't take that long. Let me just begin by reading this passage or the first few verses of Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was, is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. The title of the message is, Bad news, good news, and I put it in that order for a reason. Normally you hear people say, well, all right, I got some good news and some bad news. I don't, I don't know about you. Would you rather have the bad news first or the good news first? I'd kind of like to rather have the bad news first, so maybe the good news will make me feel a little bit better about the bad news, instead of somebody saying, well, here's the good news. The bad news is none of that's true. <laughs> you know, the pi airline pilot came on the speaker and said, this is Captain so-and-so from the flight deck. And why do they have to tell us that anyway? We kind of know, don't we, that I don't know what a flight deck is. I'm thinking it's a cockpit. But just one time I'd like the pilot to come on and say, this is the pilot. I'm actually back at the airport standing at the gate. Does anybody know how to fly a plane? More importantly, does anybody know how to land a plane? Could you come back and get me? They never say stuff like that. Any pilots here? I'm just writing some lines for you if you're a pilot. Pilot came on and said, I got some good news and bad news. I'll start with the bad news. The bad news is all the instruments are out. We have no idea where we are. We're totally lost. The radio's not working. The good news is we're making really good time. <laughs> well, the bad news, good news this morning is better than that. In fact, let me just capsulize this passage. This is a difficult passage. We're going to look at verses 12 through 21, and if you study any commentaries on this, there's a lot of commentators that say this is the most difficult passage in all of Romans. And yet it's an important passage. It begins with the word therefore. Paul uses the word therefore 25 times in 16 chapters. And all it's doing is he's connecting this section with the previous section. And so if you don't hear me say anything else this morning, it is this. Paul has built a case that all have sinned. And in this passage, he's going to kind of explain where sin came from, how it ever got here in the first place. But then God's remedy, God's offer of a remedy for sin. So the bad news is there's sin in the world. The good news is God did something about it. Therefore, connects with the previous verse and what he'd been t talking about in 
the first 11 verses, he ends up by saying we have been reconciled. We've been made right. We've been brought into right relationship with God. So we rejoice in that. So then he says, therefore. So he's going to explain some of that. He's going to explain kind of the consequences of that, what follows after that. But if you're an English teacher here this morning, you may have problems with this passage. It's the inspired Word of God, and yet the way Paul writes, he starts by saying, just as. And typically, if you see just as, you expect just as to follow with something that explains the just as part. But he doesn't get to that till about verse 19. And that's just the way Paul writes. A lot of Paul's sentences are many verses long. And sometimes he takes these little parentheses in the middle of a sentence to kind of explain what he's talking about. But here's what he says. Just as through one man. And you're going to see the word one occur 12 times just in these few verses from verse 12 through 21. He's going to talk about the one man, Adam. He's also going to talk about the one man, Jesus. He's going to talk about the one transgression, the one act of disobedience. He's going to talk about the one act of obedience. So just as, and he's making a point, just as, in the same way he's comparing Adam to Jesus, just as through one man, sin entered the world. Really two things that I want you to see in that little phrase, building off the word entered. Two things entered. And one thing you need to understand is it means that sin already existed. 1 John chapter 3 says that Satan was a sinner from the beginning. Since before Adam and Eve, Satan had, had sinned and had fallen. And so sin entered. Adam didn't make up sin. He didn't come up with this idea of sin on his own. But sin entered the world. So two things that entered. First, sin entered. Secondly, death entered. And it affected all of us. And some of you are going to hear that this morning. You're going to say, well, that's not fair. Well, whoever said it's fair? Let me tell you what also is not fair. It's not fair that I wasn't there to keep Adam from sinning, and because of his sin, I'm born with a sin nature. It also wasn't fair that Jesus Christ had to die on the cross to pay the penalty for that. And I wasn't there when Christ died, and yet, spiritually speaking, it says I was in Christ, that I died with him. So sin entered. Let me, let me explain sin. If you've ever watched the old Andy Griffith episode, Barney sleeps through the whole sermon. He goes out and shakes the pastor's hand. And he said, Pastor, that was a great message. You can't ever say enough about sin. <laughs> of course, Andy said, he didn't talk about sin. Let me explain sin. We hear it a lot. It's a three-letter word, but what does it mean? I'll give you two definitions this morning. First is it means to miss the mark. It means there was a target that you were aimed at. And you missed it every time. Paul puts it this way. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every arrow you ever shot came short. Never even made the target, much less the bullseye. But another definition of sin is this. Seeking meaning in life or seeking happiness apart from God. So because of Adam, sin entered the world. In fact, you say, well, what, wait a minute, wasn't Eve involved in that? You know, if you read Genesis, God told Adam not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, Eve ate of it. She's tempted by the devil. She eats of it and hands it to Adam, her husband. 
Because you've got to read it carefully because I think some people think that maybe he was out playing golf or something when all this was going on. And comes in and she says, hey, try this. I've made you a pie. It didn't work that way. It says she turned and handed it to the man beside her. I mean, he was standing right there. And there was only one commandment at this point that God had given man. Only one. Don't eat of that. And put yourself in Adam's place. God had said, you have all this. You have dominion over all of this. Be fruitful and multiply. Enjoy it all. Except for one thing. Don't eat the fruit of this one tree. I don't know how much time went by before the tempter came and tempted them. But folks, let me say this. Adam and Eve did not eat the fruit of the tree because they wanted to die. Not why they did it. Because what did, what did God say? Don't do it because in the day you do it, you're going to die. They didn't eat the fruit because they wanted to die. They ate the fruit because they wanted to be God. Because that's what Satan said, right? Hey, you ought to try this. God's, God's holding out on you. Eat this. Because he knows that in the day you eat of it, you're going to be just like him. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all-present. You're going to be like that. And folks, could I say that from that point on, the reason you sin is not because you want to die. It's because you really don't trust God. You don't believe God. We're falling to the same line that Satan used on Eve and Adam. So because of that one sin, sin entered the world, but also death through sin. The promised result of disobedience. God promised him, in the day you eat of it, you will die. And you say, well, wait a minute, Adam didn't drop dead. He was actually, he and Eve were cast out of the garden. Some people have told the story about, you know, Adam and Eve's children coming along and saying, what's that over there? So well, that's, that's where we used to live until your mama ate us out of house and home. <laughs> okay, Adam and Eve did not die the day they ate of the fruit, but death began. Spiritual separation from God, and ultimately they would die. Now, Adam lived hundreds of years after this. That's right, in case you hadn't read the Old Testament. Some people live back there 900 years. You're saying, Robert, you believe those are literally 900 years? Yeah, I do. Yeah, they lived that long. One reason they lived that long is they had to populate the earth. It took a while. But they lived that long before the flood. And God reset the time of man on earth. But sin entered the world, death through sin, and here's the bad news, and death spread to all. In fact, it goes on and says the, the law really wasn't given until Moses. And yet the Bible tells us, in fact, Romans chapter 2, verse 8, I believe it is, says that the law has been written on your heart. So up until Moses, they didn't have a stone tablet. They didn't have the Ten Commandments or the hundreds of other commandments in the Old Testament. But they knew right from wrong. And the penalty of sin continued to exist up until the time of Moses. And they could not sin the same way Adam did. They couldn't go back and eat of the tree because they couldn't find it anymore. They were cast out of the garden. But man still sinned. Cain still killed his brother. 
God finally looked at the world and, and just was disgusted with how wicked it was and ultimately wiped out everything living on the face of the earth except for those souls that were on the ark. So the penalty of sin continued in death, and, and death up until the time of Moses. You say, well, that's, that's not fair. In those days, as in these days, there's times that innocents die. And I would, I would put that in the case of an infant. There are times that babies die. It's horrendous. It's horrible. And it's not because that baby is a sinner. It's because of sin that the baby dies. Not because the baby did anything wrong yet, but because of sin and the reign or dominion of sin over the world. Now, God's done something about it. There's good news coming. But you've got to understand that to really get the good news. The good news is really better when you understand how bad the bad news was. Death spread to all until, until the law, sin was in the world, and yet it wasn't imputed. There's a big $400 word. Imputed. We've already seen it previously in Romans. But it means taken into account or brought into account. Here's the good news. We've already heard this, but the righteousness of Christ has been imputed to you as a believer. You put your faith in Jesus Christ and His death on the cross. His righteousness is now carried into your account. An exchange has been taking place. He took your sin. You take on your righteousness. And so what Paul is saying is sin is not imputed yet, but the result of sin is that death still reigns. The word reign means to rule. It, it's the Greek word that sounds a lot like our word basilica. But it means a ruler. A tyrant in this case, one who's all-powerful, but wicked, a tyrant. It says that many sin, not, not in the likeness of Adam, didn't commit the same sin, but sin continued to reign and have rule. And yet Adam was a type of him who was to come. So understand this morning, we're contrasting Adam with Jesus. In the beginning you have Adam, and ultimately Jesus Christ would come to pay the penalty, ultimately, for what Adam did. Now, from the time of Adam, who paid the penalty? Well, in order to be right with God, once the law was instituted, they instituted this thing called Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. And on the Day of Atonement, the sins of the people were placed onto animals that were killed. Only one problem. As soon as the animal was killed, your sins are forgiven, but you started right over sinning, and the next year you had to have another animal killed. When Jesus Christ died on the cross and He said, It is finished, part of what He meant was, that sacrificial system, once and for all, has finally, the price has been paid. I believe that's the most important thing he meant by it is finished. Not just that it's finished, I'm about to die. But it is finished. The plan and purpose of God to redeem mankind is paid for on the cross. So death is inevitable. Only two people in history that we know of that didn't die. That was Enoch and Elijah. Go back and read the Old Testament. You say, well, wait a minute, what about Lazarus? Lazarus died. Lazarus was raised from the what? Dead. And he died again. What about Jesus? Jesus died. 
raised again, raised from the death, seated at the right hand of the Father, but he died. So the bad news is sin is ine- or death is inevitable. The good news is life is available. And I love this word. Let me start with verse 15, just read through 17. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. To the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. This passage reminds me a lot of Ephesians chapter 2. First three verses of Ephesians chapter 2 tell us that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. How much can a dead person do? Nothing. Then you get to verse 4. And in this case, you get to verse 15. But. Little three-letter word, seemingly insignificant. But it's huge when it applies to God. Here's the way it was. But God. But the free gift. The free gift. In our translations, it's two words, but it translates one word. It really means grace gift. You kind of think, why do you have to put free on the beginning of gift? Folks, we don't get gift. We don't even get free here. I don't know if you know this, about two weeks ago was National Donut Day. Did anybody experience National Donut Day? Did y'all celebrate that? My family celebrated by starting at the north end and hitting every Krispy Kreme to this end. And I'm not, I'm not pushing one donut joint over the other. They're both good. But Dunkin' Donut right up here had a sign that said this. Free donuts. And then they said, with the purchase of a medium beverage. That's not free. If you've got to buy a drink, the donut's not free. I mean, I'd like to have that conversation with Mr. Duncan or Mrs. Donut or whoever it is I need to talk to. Explain to them. Free means free. It's like you get this phone call. We want to send you a free gift. Then why do you need my credit card number? Because you've got to pay for postage. Forty nine ninety five. you know. We don't understand free in this culture. Free means you don't pay for it. Now, it costs somebody something. Krispy Kreme had to pay for those donuts. But you didn't. You could eat them and enjoy them. They were totally free. Just go through the drive-thru. I imagine you could just keep circling the building. I don't know if they'd eventually cut you off. We're going to check your blood sugar level. You have had too many donuts. But the free gift is not like the transgression. Let me explain the word transgression. Some translations have the word trespass, and that's really a good translation of the word transgression. It means deviating from the path. It means departing the norm. It means being somewhere you're not supposed to be. Two weeks ago, I shared a story about me getting arrested for trespassing on Federal Wildlife Refuge and had several people come up and say, you didn't finish the story. Well, that's why you've got to come back. I'm currently doing a life sentence in the federal penitentiary. No. I was about 15 years old when that occurred. Just to catch you up to speed, we went 
where our youth minister told us to go. I was 15 years old. Youth minister said, y'all need to go out. But we went to the wrong place, and there was a sign that said, authorized personnel only. So I looked at the two guys with me, Doug and Matt, and I said, I hereby authorize you. And we had the best time. We thought we were authorized until we came out and the police were sitting there. And they threatened us and scared us. And we had a gun, too, by the way. About two weeks later, a week later, I got a registered letter in the mail from the National Wildlife people. And I opened the letter, and the first thing I saw, was the thing that jumped off the page was $500 and or six months in jail. I thought, I'm 15. Life's over. Now, I read the letter, and it said, your name's on our list. If you ever do anything like this again, the penalty's going to be $500 and or six months in jail. My father brought me that letter and handed it to me and, and came back later and said, what was that? And I said, oh, I've ordered some stuff from the wildlife people. So not only did I unauthorized go on, I lied to my father. Now, my mom will probably listen to this and finally realize, so that's what that letter was all about. But transgression means deviating from the path. It carries this idea of not going where, you, where you're supposed to go. You're trespassing. But the free gift's not like that. In fact, it's the exact opposite. It's more powerful. Here's the good news. The power of sin and death can be broken. The power of Jesus Christ cannot be broken. The gift is greater than all accumulated sin. Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty of sin. But since the time of Adam, sin has multiplied. It's plural now. And in case you're still thinking it's not fair, I'm paying for Adam's sin. Is there anybody here who want to raise your hand and say, you know what, I've never sinned. Because that person doesn't exist. The only person who ever lived a sinless, perfect life was Jesus Christ. And even if you think you're pretty good, because that's the answer I hear from some people. Are you going to heaven? Well, yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to heaven. Why? Because, man, I'm pretty good. I've never done, and it typically starts, I've never done this, 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 or this. Okay, let's talk about this. Have you ever said the wrong thing? Have you ever thought the wrong thing? Have you ever done the wrong thing? Well, yeah, but, you know, I think if you stack them up, folks, you don't want to get to heaven with a stacking contest with God. I've done the math before in this place. You know, three sins a day is a thousand sins a year. You live 70 years, you got 70,000 sins. You really think that's okay? Let me explain God's economy. God hates sin. He hated the sin that Adam and Eve committed in the garden because what they were basically saying is, we're not going to obey you. We don't think you're good. We think we know better than you do. They committed one sin and got kicked out of the garden and death entered the world. That's how serious God takes sin. He also took it so seriously that he knew the only person that could pay the penalty for it was him. And that's what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Sin is huge. But the free gift is so much better. As a result of the transgression, many died. We, we all died. But much more. A couple times in this passage, he uses the word much more. Not just more, but much more. The grace of God abounds to the many. 
The word grace means God's unearned, unmerited favor. Or it means this. It means receiving what you don't deserve. God's mercy was poured out. Mercy means not receiving what you do deserve. We deserve death. Grace is even better if we get something we don't deserve. We get eternal life. We get a relationship with a Father who loves us. We are made right with God. No longer enemies with God. So the gift's not like the transgression. So much better. Out of transgression resulted condemnation. But out of the gift resulted justification. In Adam, we received condemnation. To put it simply, in Adam, you're pronounced guilty. The sentence has come in. The gavel has hit the deck. Guilty. But in Christ, I'm not condemned. Later on, Paul's going to say, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There's no pronouncement of guilty. You've now been justified, pronounced innocent. And this theme occurs so often in the book of Romans, I've got to keep explaining it to you. Being pronounced innocent is so much better than being pronounced not guilty. Not guilty simply means there wasn't enough evidence to convict you. The truth is, there was plenty of evidence to convict us. But through Christ, a transfer has taken place into our life. We're now pronounced innocent because of His righteousness. That's grace. Because it didn't come from me. It wasn't even God saying, all right, I'm going to let you start over. We're just going to wipe all that out. Do better from now on. It's better than that. Because I couldn't do better. I had to have the righteousness of Christ applied to my life, not me. Even if God said, okay, you're going to die tomorrow, let's just see if you can go 24 hours without sinning. I still wouldn't be right. But I'm pronounced right because of the death of Jesus Christ. Death reigned through one. Death was a tyrant because of Adam. But much more, we received the abundance of, of grace. And we will reign in life through one. Life rules because of the obedience of Christ. And then last, grace is abounding. In fact, the word abounding is used to apply to both. I want you to catch this. Let me just read these last verses from 18 through 21 and we're done. This, so then. Okay, he's finally getting to the just as explanation. So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. The law came in so that transgression would increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through one act, one transgression, one trespass, one missing the mark, one being where he wasn't supposed to be, doing what he wasn't supposed to do, resulted condemnation, guilty, adverse sentence. 
just like that, one act of righteousness by one man, Jesus Christ, resulted in an acquittal, really pronounced innocent justification. Because one man's disobedience, many die. Many were made sinners. Through the obedience of one, many will be made righteous. Now catch this. This is where it gets a little difficult at the end. The law came so that transgression would increase. You could read that to think, okay, they put the law in just so that we would become worse sinners. No. The law came in to expose the sin that was here. The law was already written on our hearts. Man knew back then the right thing to do. They didn't do it. God finally put it down on a tablet. And then more than that, he unpacked more of it through the pages of the Old Testament. This is how you ought to live. Made it real clear. And it just made sin that much more obvious and apparent. We got a problem, Houston. We're sinners. So through the law, sin increased. In fact, it's the word abound. But through grace, grace abounded through that free gift. Grace abounded. It's the same word with the word added onto it to mean super abound. You thought that was abounding? This is bigger abounding. Grace abounded all the more. Sin reigned and ruled in death. Grace reigns and rules in life. It's God's purpose that grace, not sin, be the ruler. Hebrews puts it this way in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Folks, the devil has a little bit of power right now. He's still free to roam and he's still free to influence and he carries with him the power of death. And that is scary. I don't know if you ever remember kneeling at the, at the bed like I did as a kid. My dad would teach me that prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake. That was a real pleasant thought right before you go into sleep. What are the chances of that, you know? But you know what? That, that's kind of silly but apart from christ you ought to be afraid of death because when you die apart from christ it's over you spend eternity separated from god and yet the grace abounds so much more than that so what's the offer receive the gift in order for something to be a gift somebody has to offer it freely but somebody's also got to receive it. still not a gift if you hadn't taken it. It's just an offer. Some of you today need to make it a gift today. The offer's there. Christ is drawing you. God's calling you. Don't live the rest of your life in fear. Because I'm going to die one day. But I don't have to be afraid of it. Because it's not the end for me. It's an entrance into the presence of God like I've never experienced before. And eternity, eternal life with Him. Let's pray together. Bow your heads with me. Father.
thank you that the good news is so much better than the bad news. They're not on equal footing. Lord, yes, the truth is that because of sin, death also entered the world. But God, you paid the penalty for that. You paid the penalty for sin. You died on the cross so that I don't have to. And I don't have to fear death the rest of my life because I know you. Thank you for that truth. Thank you for that comfort. God, if there's someone in this place this morning that's never experienced that, I pray today would be the day of their salvation. In Christ's name, amen. We're going to sing a...